Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives I'm so excited for today's show Episode 400 Can you believe it? Episode 400 Man, when I started this thing, I had no idea where it was going by this thing. I mean, this show, I mean, I just, I still can't believe it. 400 episodes, here we go, and it will not be the last. Lord knows. I'm so excited to have Nikki Cannon on the on the podcast today. I can't think of a better person, someone who more epitomizes the dedicated amateur runner as much, if not more, than Nikki Cannon, who's a teacher from the Houston area who is running 40 marathons in 40 days. And she's in the middle of it right now. When you're hearing this, she's going to be on day 30-ish or so, uh, depending on when you're listening. So she's got 10 more days. If you want to support Nikki in her efforts, you'll hear how to at the end of the episode. You can also check our show notes as well for the links and also how to follow her. She is a remarkable person. So without further ado, let's get into it with Nikki Cannon. Nikki Cannon. Welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast, episode 400. I can't think of a better person to have on a landmark episode, like episode 400, than you. You are doing simply incredible. I'm doing things with my hands to gesticulate wildly because I am so excited. I usually don't do that. I don't know why. This is why it's an audio podcast, not a video, so no one saw that. But either way, Nikki, thank you for being here, and thank you for everything you're doing. I can't wait to talk to you about it. First of all, how are you feeling? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast, and I'm feeling pretty good, just a, a little bit tired. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I'm doing really well. The queen of understatement. I'm a little tired. Um, now, when you say pretty good, I love this because this is everything's relative uh, in this world. But when you say pretty good, if I were to ask you, say, three months ago, how you're feeling and you feel exactly the way you feel right now. How would have you answered the question like then, as opposed to like putting it within the context of what you've been doing the past, you know, four weeks? I probably still would have said pretty good. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit more tired and my legs, you know, are feeling a little bit, you know, same thing. Um, but other than that, you know, just I'm I guess I'm just used to running a lot of mileage. This obviously is a little bit more of an extreme, um, but learning from my experience over the summer has helped me as far as pacing myself better. Um, and so I think that has helped as far as making sure that I do, I guess, the proper recovery um, in order to make sure like I'm ready for the next day so well said okay so people just heard the intro so they have heard a little bit about what you're up to so let's give them a little more a little more context you just mentioned for like what you did in the summer has you know has had an impact on this when did when did doing like this is a purposely vague term but running adventures when did doing something like either running adventures or just like these kinds of like wild forays 
into, you know, whatever, I guess adventure is really where I'm going to stick with here, or challenges. Um, when did these sorts of things start to percolate within you? I think it was probably like during the pandemic, you know, because everything essentially shut down. And so, you know, you didn't have races, you couldn't, you know, meet up with friends to go run. And so, I mean, essentially, that's what I did is I just went out and ran. And even though there weren't races, live races that you know, I could go to a lot of those organizations still had virtual races. There was a lot of things as far as like challenges just to keep, you know, us, you know, doing something, um, working towards things, even though we couldn't, you know, go to races. And so I think that's kind of when I decided to start doing some, you know, more adventurous, as you put it, uh, challenges just because I, I had more time on my hands. Um, and so I did some like 50 K's. I did like four 50 K's in a row. And then that led me to do, you know, a hundred K's. And then I tried a hundred miler. And so that's really, that's, I think that's what brought it all on is the pandemic. So all right, let's talk about these, like, basically these are feats of endurance. And then they are just kind of, like, escalating <laughs> the kinds of feats where they are. I mean, they were, you know, these just, any of the things you mentioned are all awesome. And then it's like they see they are continually getting more and more challenging. So why these feats of endurance as opposed to being like, you know what, I'm going to, like, I want to beat this certain time. Or I want to be like, all right, like, I'm going to be on a mission to get this goal time or set a new a new record for for this or that, um, kind of like comparing your current self to maybe like a, a past version of yourself. So I guess why, why the endurance side instead of like, no, I want to run faster over a certain distance or distances? I think it was just a, something different, you know, because when I first started running, it was really doing it for fun. Um, and then I started to get into more like trying to improve my times. And it's not to say that I still don't have a goal to try to improve times and get faster, but I think I kind of just got to that point where I wouldn't say it was getting boring, but it, you know, you just kind of get to a, a point where if you just keep doing, trying to do the same thing, it's, it's no longer fun for me. And so, yes, like trying to achieve time goals, that was still fun. But at the same time, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to keep kind of doing this because it, it wasn't like said as, as fun and interesting. And so I kind of went, <laughs> went the other direction and started running more miles because I remember when I would I did marathons and I said I would I would never run anything past past a marathon. I was like that's my that is my distance limit is a marathon and I guess that just kind of goes to show you never say never for anything. <laughs> no kidding. I mean shoot, I mean to be fair though, you could have held true to that. And still done your challenge that you're currently doing. That is true. 
Um, I mean, it would be a weird thing to say. You'd be like, obviously, you can do more if you're doing these forty straight days. Um, but it would be it would be pretty unique. So, tell me about the first marathon. Not only how it went, not the not the first marathon in the streak, just the first marathon that Nikki Cannon ever did, and what was the motivation to do it? So, my very first marathon was actually part of a challenge. So, I guess it kind of started a long like long time ago I didn't realize it was kind of set me like on the track to like do crazy challenges in the future but I signed up to do the dopey challenge at Walt Disney World where you do a 5k 10k half marathon and then a full marathon on four consecutive days and I had never run anything further than a half marathon but I was like hey that sounds like it could be fun so I signed up for it and was that it was, was my, it a dare or did you just like happen upon it I think I was just reading like different races and I thought like hey I've I've never done a a Disney race before and so I thought that would be fun to go do it and so I signed up and it didn't turn out very well because I ended up previous previously a few months before ended up getting a stress fracture. And so I took off essentially a month and a half, two months, and I didn't run. And then I think probably a couple of weeks before the race, I kind of just eased back into it. And then during the race, um, by the time I got to the marathon, I'm pretty sure I re-aggravated it just because I felt the same pain. And so that first marathon took took a while, but I finished. And then after that, then I said I wasn't ever going to do a marathon ever again. And understandably so, right? You get the stress fracture, then you re-injure it. Like, you know, it must have been at that point you're like, all right, like no more crazy challenges for Nikki Cannon. This obviously didn't work out very well. However, <laughs> here you are doing some of the craziest challenges I've ever heard of in my life. So when did the, you know, the, the injury and just like the... You know, it's, you know, it stinks to have that kind of thing happen in a race. So, like, when did, like, mentally and emotionally you get past it, and then physically as well, to the point where not only were you, um, you know, kind of, you know, itching and eager to, to get back out to running, but, you know, willing to accept um, or even go after uh, some pretty hard things? Um, I, th- I think after eventually it kind of was just – something where I wanted to try to do better. It took me probably, I can't remember the exact date when I did the next marathon, but I signed up for another one just because of what had happened. And I wanted to see what I could do when I wasn't injured or when I didn't do a 5k, 10k and a half marathon, like the previous day. Um, And I really didn't, you know, run as much the first, you know, four, four years, like when I picked up running, it was kind of just like a half marathon here, there, half marathon there. Um, and then it probably wasn't until like 2000, I'd say 17 or 18, probably when I really started to think like more time goals. And that's when I kind of you know, it was really pushing and started kind of being more serious as far as like training wise and going for 
certain time goals. Whereas when I first started running, it was more just, hey, this is this is something really fun and I enjoy doing it. So as you were progressing and, and, and picking up new goals and your uh, connection with running started to uh, intensify over these years, what happened to just your enjoyment of the sport and how did that evolve over time? Because you spend a lot of time running. This is you, but you better like it. I mean, you're, you're out there for six hours a day. So what, how did you become such a big fan of the sport? Because obviously you must be at this point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Um, I, you know, I really, I didn't initially enjoy it. I think it was more just like exercise, go out and exercise. It was something that was free, didn't cost a lot of money. And obviously like now I've spent way more money than I can even count. Um, but that's a whole nother story. Um, and then eventually I think I just, I just kept at it. And I would just run in, you know, as I previously said, I kind of just did a, a race here and there, you know, every every year. Um, and I just kind of kept doing it. And I think the more I stayed with it, I kind of, and I don't, I can't pinpoint the exact day or time when I was like, okay, I'm really starting to enjoy it. I think it was just more so going outside and doing something and it just allowed me to relax or if I had a stressful day, you know, it's, you know, running can release endorphins and things like that. And, you know, it just gave me time to like, think about things and, you know, cause you're out there for, you know, several hours and that gives you time to think about things. And so, yeah. All right. So what was the challenge this summer? So this summer, I challenged myself to run, or I, I wouldn't say like run, I'm going to say complete, um, 40 marathons in 40 days for my 40th birthday. So 40 days previous, or I guess it would have been 39, started so that the 40th marathon would be on my 40th birthday. In the summer. <laughs> In, the in summer, Houston, in Houston, in Texas. Houston, Texas, yes. in the summer, <laughs> people, it was 85 degrees in Houston last week, the last week of December. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have athletes who run in Houston. I fear for their life when they're running in the summer. Now that's hyperbole. It's darn hot. Yes, it is. My goodness. How is this something that you would even take on? How does someone prepare to be running for five, six hours a day in that kind of heat? Uh, well, I mean, I'm used, used to running in the heat, um, your body acclimates to it, but I do think that running for that long for consecutive days, it eventually, it did catch up to me. Um, and so it just, it kind of just got to that point where I was exhausted and my body didn't have time, enough time to like recover enough. Um, where I would be ready for the next day. And I think it just, it got to that point where finally it was, my body was like, all right, I'm done. No more. So. Right. And anyone who's run a marathon knows that just run marathon is a, is a huge challenge and something that should be applauded. So when, when, like, what was the line of demarcation for you in that endeavor where it went from just like the normal standard fatigue, 
you know, and discomfort that comes with a race or even, you know, it comes with, you know, covering that distance and then covering it day after day to something that are like, okay, this just is now past the point of no return. I'm, I'm not, I can't continue anymore. Like what, what was that decision matrix like, or where was that line of demarcation for you? Um, it was probably around like when I got like close to the halfway point when I could really kind of tell just in my legs and just the strain in my in my muscles and tendons and ligaments and it was it was really like uh, like the lower half of my legs like upper half like I felt fine like quads hamstrings like all of that I mean they were tired but it was more like my shins and my calves and my feet and Achilles and things like that and so I could kind of kind of tell. Um, and then I think it was like one or two, probably two days when I was feeling more pain in my like lower right leg. And then on the last day, it was just, it was just too much. Um, and so I finally just decided, you know, I probably could have gone out one more day, maybe two days, but it just would have been, I would have just probably walked the entire thing and you know, being outside for eight hours in Houston summer is not enjoyable. So I, I made the decision and I didn't know what the extent of what was going on, if it was a muscle strain, if it was something else. And um, in October, I was going to be going to Boston. And so I didn't want to do something where it would put me out, um, causing like an even more significant injury. So that was also a big part of my reasoning for deciding to call it during the summer. Yeah, that makes sense. That's for sure. Especially when, st- when something transforms from discomfort to pain that, um, and, you know, it can be, you know, it's not like this automatic, like paradigm shifting moment. But once you've kind of gone into that realm, um, good on you for making that decision. Um, because yeah, yeah, shoot, you've already, I mean, you lived that life. You already, you already had a stress fracture from, from doing a lot. And, you know, you don't, as you know, you don't want to go back down that road, especially if you have stuff on the calendar to keep it going. So when you went through that experience, obviously you shoot, basically, you know, you cover halfway, roughly half, half of it, maybe a little more. That's an enormous achievement. You got Boston coming up. When did you know that you were going to be giving this another shot? I honestly think as soon as I said I had to stop short, I knew, I mean, like that that's just me. I fell short of a goal I set for myself. And so I knew at some point I was going to try it again. When? I didn't quite know exactly but I just knew I was like, I, I can't not try to do it again. You know, it's just like that's just in my nature that if I set a goal, you know, and I fall short, I've got to try, you know, like at least again. So you can say, well, I tried and, you know, I know sometimes you set goals and you may not reach it. Um, but I just. I couldn't, I would always be thinking in the back of my head, I think like, well, what if you, what if you tried it again? Like, what if you, what if you tried, like, maybe you could do it. And I just, 
I don't want to have that where I just think in my head, well, what if you would have tried it again? Maybe you would have done it. Maybe, you know, if I try it again and it doesn't happen, well, then at least, you know, I know. Well, another thing, too, is that like time is of the essence because, you know, you can't just wait another year because then the 40 for 40 doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Because you're not 40 anymore. Because like you push this off to age 55, Nikki, like then you're in some some serious stuff going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I was doing it or when I ended it, I'm like, why couldn't I have thought of this when I was 30, you know, or... I, some people 25. like to run their birthday, right? Like some people like to run their birthday, right? Like right. I'm going to run 40 miles on my 40th birthday. Like you have definitely amped it up. I'm more of like I'll run 40 minutes on my birthday, <laughs> but it's it's really interesting to see. So you having tried this already and tried it in just from a settings perspective, like the the hardest time of the year. I guess from a from a weather perspective, the nice part is because you're a teacher that all of that doing in the summer does provide you another opportunity where you're like, hey, I'm not working right now, so this does give me more time and, and it does help my chance to recover. However, you know, school's in session and the temperature was supposed to cool down. It really didn't, but at least you had that opportunity of like maybe it will. So what did you learn or what what things did you learn on the first attempt that informed how you were going to handle yourself the second attempt. And I mean that like as broadly as you want to take it in terms of like the time of day to run, the recovery, the nutrition, the the talking about it with your friends and on social media, the fundraising. Yes. And, and however you want to take this, this question. Um, the biggest thing I think is just how I approached going out and doing it. Um, so you have, you know, Anytime you like do some physical challenge, obviously you do have the physical aspect of it, but like more so when you're doing something that is physically hard, it's also mentally hard too. And so for me, when I did it over the summer, like mentally I would go out and I would try and get big chunks of mileage done before I came back to the house and, you know, got some food, refueled, um, that sort of thing. And so I would be out for two or three hours, sometimes four hours. Um, and so I would come back and I would have, you know, like 12, 14, 16 miles. So when I went back out, I only had X amount, but I was on my feet without sitting down or anything like that for three or four hours. And so this time around, you know, I knew I was like, I can't, I can't do the same thing. I was like, if I do the same thing, it's gonna probably eventually lead to what happened over the summer. And so um, I instead decided to do um, like smaller chunks and then essentially like every 60, 75 minutes, like I take, like I, I come back to my house and I, I take a break, you know, where I'll, you know, get some food, refuel, hydrate, and I'll, I'll literally, I'll just like sit for a few minutes to just get off my feet. And that- This I is just like, a, like an ultra, like an ultra marathon aid station. It is. Essentially, that's what it is, is every 60 to 75 minutes, you know, I come back to aid station And it makes it, 
it has because now I'm on day 28. It's made a it's made a huge difference. Um, and yes, you know, it has added time to it. You know, because sometimes I even think to myself, like, oh, let me just like skip this break or let me just go a little bit longer instead of six miles. I can go eight miles or especially, you know, as it's gotten cooler now, finally. But then I also have to think you're not just trying to complete one marathon or two marathons. You're trying to get all the way to 40. And so that's something also that this time around, I'm really trying to keep. Uh, the big picture of mine. And someone, even when, you know, I posted on Instagram that I was doing it again, um, uh, she, she messaged me where uh, friends on Instagram and she, she, it was a really good, like, um, I don't want to say comparison, but she just kind of said, think of this as like a 40 day ultra marathon. You know, you can't go out and just the first couple of days, just you know, go out and run fast and try to, you know, get it done as quickly as as possible. Because if you do, then you're not going to have anything at the end or you're not even going to be able to finish. So that was my first thing. And then the other thing is just uh, nutrition. I was so tired over the summer that I I didn't properly um, like refuel especially after. And so I think that just didn't give my muscles, mainly muscles enough time to, you know, um, repair and recover. And so as soon as I, as soon as I finish within like 15 minutes, I'm drinking a a protein drink. um, And then I go and immediately get into the bathtub ice bath. You know, and um, so just like little things, I'm getting like massages and stretching. Um, and so it's just, you know, I was having that conversation with my mom earlier today and asking about, she was just asking about what's different. And, you know, I was just mentioning like a bunch of little things. And so there's not, I don't think one thing in particular, it's just all those little things that have added up that have made a big difference. And then also not running in the summer too, even though for about a week and a half, it was, it did feel like summer here. All right. Let's talk about the nutrition part because part of the nutrition, well, first of all, shoot, you're going to be hungry all day, right? If you're putting in, I mean, who isn't hungry all day, first of all, but also if you're putting that kind of mileage in, you're going to be hungry all the time. But as people who've run this kind of distance before know, you know, when you put that kind of mileage in, sometimes you're just not hungry, right? Your stomach's been jostling around. Like, you know, you need the calories, you know, you need the input, but your stomach's like, yeah, dude, like, been bouncing around for five hours here. I don't really want anything in me. So what's it like? not only fueling on the run, but before and after? And what foods have you found that are agreeing with you and also are calorically dense enough to allow you to continue to do this? Um, you know, I eat bananas. I know that's not like has a lot of calories, but before I run, I'll eat like a bean burrito. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's playing. That's from a fiber perspective. That sounds like you're really 
playing <laughs> Russian roulette with your uh, GI yeah. system there. Yeah, but no, it works. It works. <laughs> hey, if it works for you, man, great. It I'm works. just laughing. I'm like, I know I would never be able to do that. No, it works. Um, and then I have um, like little mini pancakes and put some peanut butter on it or little banana muffins, um, a lot of pasta, no, not not during, but after. But yeah, like you mentioned, it is hard because um, even though I'm hungry, I just... I'm, I don't want to eat. I know it sounds weird and people are probably like, what? You don't want to eat or but it, it, it is true. You just, and then you, sometimes you just eventually get to that point where food just doesn't even sound good. It's true. And this, this like running, running for a long time, can, it really can mess with you because your stomach, it, it does get jostled. It's not like, you know, cyclists, and then there are times in my life where I've, you know, and you've been on the bike for a long time. It's like you're never more hungry than you are after coming off the bike because you're on, you're exercising for a long time. And also, like, you're just in that position. Like, your stomach is like totally fine the whole time. You come back from a ride, you're like, I need to eat forever. But I come back from a run and, like, an easy run, I'll be hungry. But, like, the long runs, I'm, I'm not. And that's only like two hours on the run, right? I mean, I say only in quotes here, but it's, um, no, I I totally get that. Do you feel like do you ever just wake up in the middle of the night like with like hunger pangs like oh gosh, I really got to eat like or like start like or even worse like 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 yeah, I know there's plenty of people and I've been I've had this issue myself of like waking up with like cramps in the middle of the night if like I'm not hydrating or eating properly if I'm putting in um extensive training weeks. Um I haven't really woken up in the middle of the night because I'm hungry. Now, when I do wake up in the morning, I mean, I notice that I'm like, I, I need to, or want to eat food. And you know, that is once again, especially, you know, when I'm running, doing the marathons after work is to make sure that I'm getting enough food, um, during the day so that when I start, I'm not at that point where I don't have enough calories um or energy to get me through get me through the marathon and it's also hard you know making sure you're eating foods that are good for running because i mean like i could go and eat a dozen donuts and that would be a lot of calories that but sounds that, fantastic <laughs> but that probably would not be sustainable but, you know halfway through the marathon i might be you know well, Nikki Cannon, I was going to save this question for the end, but now I have to I have to ask it now. My good friend and the person who recommended having you on the show, Carolyn Sue, um, from people know Carolyn Sue, she's fantastic. She's been on the cover of Runner's World. She runs the Diverse We Run uh, Instagram account. She's absolutely awesome. And whenever she recommends, when anyone recommends a guest, and I get a lot of recommendations, thank you to everyone who's done that, I always ask that person who recommended, like, well, is there any specific questions you want me to ask this person? Because if they're recommending the person, they know the person better than I do, obviously. So she usually, Carolyn has a very poignant set of questions or a really poignant question to ask. And uh, and she did not disappoint on this one either. Oh, wow. She, you know, Carolyn's very astute and an extremely intelligent person. And we all uh, can appreciate what she does. So her um, really, uh, you know, in-depth question was, uh, she needs to know if you could have anyone for the rest of your life, which one would you choose, Oreos or donuts? 
Oh, that's easy. That's donuts. Donuts, right? It's a no-brainer. It's a that's no-brainer. a no-brainer. No-brainer. I know Oreos have different flavors now, but donuts have always had different flavors. So it's not even, you can't even bring that into the mix. Yeah, yeah. No, that one's a no-brainer, definitely. It's donuts. Carolyn Sue, hard-hitting question what? coming from Cambridge. Thank you so much for bringing that our way. Um, it's like a call-in radio show. We're, we're just like answering questions on the fly. So, um, you know, you're right. You can't just eat anything. But at the same time, like, if it agrees with you, I mean, you know, harkens back to the bean burrito pre-run. Like, if it agrees with you, I guess, like, it really doesn't matter as long as you're getting in the uh, the caloric density that you need to kind of, again, keep fueling yourself as you're going. Um, with that said... When annoying podcasters aren't asking you to come on your show and record at night, what time do you usually go to bed to make sure that you can recover from these efforts? Um, well, when I've been doing them after work, I won't finish them until like 1130. <laughs> and so then doing the recovery because um, then I also have like compression boots that I'll also do as well. And so before Christmas when I was doing them, I wasn't getting to sleep until probably like 1 or one thirty, And then <laughs> having to get up basically for work by 6.30. I mean, 6.30 is pushing it. Luckily, I don't live too far from the school that I teach. But... 6.30, you know, I had to be up. So five hours, sometimes there were like four hours, so four to five hours of sleep. And I don't function on, you know, I need at least seven hours of sleep. So that was, that was the toughest part is just not being able to get more sleep and then, you know, going to work the next day. Was that part of the reason that you moved the second attempt to when you did to try to basically take advantage of the two weeks or so that you had off during the Christmas vacation? Yes, definitely. That definitely factored into it because if I did it any other time, um, then I would have to basically do the majority of them afterward. The only other long week break that we have would be at Thanksgiving or spring break. And I knew that I did not want to try and do it during the summer, summer again. So then we have to ask, because we started recording this at 8.30 my time, 7.30 your time. When did you finish number 28 today or when did you start? So today I actually started like a little after midnight. And so I got up and I did it before work. And the, the reason why the last two days I've done them before work is our students haven't come back yet. And so they, their first day back after the break is actually tomorrow. And so that was my reasoning as far as we would be in our in our classrooms working, um, but I wouldn't have to be up like teaching. And so I could sit down, my legs up a little bit. Um, and so that was my thinking doing that. And then now I say I only have three marathons to do after work this week, which is a lot better than five. I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is like, <laughs> I have to keep rechecking myself. Like, yeah, this is totally normal. And like, it's this is totally not normal, normal <laughs> at all. There's no part of this conversation is normal. It's, and yet it's completely fascinating. Um, what's it like from a support system perspective? 
right? Like, who do you have that's, you know, helping you, whether it's moral support or who lives close to you who's helping with you or who's maybe potentially running with you, whether it's friends or family or maybe, shoot, maybe it's just people that you've gotten to know um, via social media who support you kind of mentally and emotionally through this. Like, what's what's the support system like? Definitely um, my family um, has really supported me. I think they finally got to the got to the point where when I first kind of did some of these like crazy challenges, they're like, why would you want to do that? That's nuts. You know? And then I kept doing them. And so then they're finally just like, okay. Um, and they do what they can to, to help me out, whether it's, you know, like going to the store, um, in, in getting food or supplies or, you know, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, you know, since I can't get up to the woodlands where I get like, uh, a massage where I usually go to, um, they've, you know, offered to like massage my legs for me cause they live, uh, fairly close. And then I have, you know, some good friends who have come to, you know, jo- join me for some miles. And I think that's more, you know, mentally, um, helps just because, you know, I have somebody else to talk to and, you know, it makes those miles go by a whole lot faster because you're not thinking about like how many laps or loops that you have to do. And then just, you know, the online running community has been phenomenal, just sending messages and in comments and, and things like that. And so when I'm running, I'll, you know, kind of check Instagram or things like that. And someone will post something or has sent a message and, you know, that really kind of just lifts my spirits and, and helps me out. And then, you know, this time around, um, I, de- I decided I wanted to, you know, do it more than just the personal challenges, which is why I um, also decided to try and raise money for Souls for Souls, um, the organization which takes, you know, unwanted um, or used shoes and clothing and you know they provide opportunity and relief for for those um who who need it and then um so that really has given me the motivation and inspired me to you know keep going especially on those those days where I'm just like why why am I doing what what am I doing this for you know and so that just really really keeps me going so how did you choose Souls for Souls? Because, I mean, I, the first time I heard about Souls for Souls, I, I, maybe it wasn't the first time, but the one that sticks in my mind is with Hella, right? Another person who's yeah. done some extraordinary yes, definitely. feats of endurance. People who don't know Hella Sidibi. Sidibi? I always mispronounce his name. I've heard him on Ritual's podcast who said his name, and I should have like been really paying attention, especially as someone whose mis- name is mispronounced constantly. Um Go follow Hella. Is it, obviously in addition to Nikki, which obviously goes without saying. Hella is H E L L A H and then S I D I B E. Anyway, he talked about it a bunch when he was on the Rich Rolls podcast, and it seemed like a great yes. thing. So, people for people who don't know, what's kind of your elevator pitch for why you picked uh, Soul for Soul? Um, I just, you know, think the fact that they take shoes um, and they provide relief and opportunity for those individuals who. We don't have shoes. And I think, you know, as a runner, obviously, you know, you just 
need a, a pair of shoes. And I think sometimes, you know, when we have shoes um, or something that we really don't think about as, you know, a necessity, that's something that other people really can't afford. Um, and so just, you know, running for, for that organization to help provide, you know, shoes for those, those people, that's something that we, that I, you know, have not really thought about in the past about how, you know, um, it's, it's a luxury for, for other people. Um, and so, you know, trying to raise money for that organization so that they can provide more shoes and opportunities for those that need it. And then also, um, you know, people who want to donate shoes as well. I'm, I'm doing both of those things. It's cool. I love how like they're cornering the market on like crazy, awesome feats of endurance by runners in the philanthropy space. It is really cool. You are doing amazing things. Hello, like that, that he he did amazing things. That was amazing. Um, yeah, he ran ac- ran across America. I ran like, across America, and he's still running. That and he's still running. Still running, baby. Five was it? Streaks like five thousand days. Or something. Yes. Anyway, we're not talking about him. We're talking about you. Um, you're doing unbelievable things. And I can quick note. Carol and Sue were just, I was just kidding around. Carol's one of my favorite people in the world. We're just having a, a little, little laugh at your expense, but still it is, you know, the important questions persist because obviously any, any, any time we can shine a light on how good donuts are, I'm going to take advantage of that exactly. every single time. Um, okay. You finished 28 today. Yes. Not only did you time the start of this endeavor to match up with your, um, your Christmas break, getting that two weeks to really kind of, you know, again, make the most of this opportunity, but you're also ending it on a very specific day. So talk to me about that. So if I can make it another 12 days, um, then number 40 would be at the Chevron Houston Marathon on January 16th. And so that was, you know, kind of another, another reason, you know, when I chose that day, I mean, I could have just chosen any, but I thought, you know, why not end it on a day when I was, I would be running, running the marathon anyways. And so, you know, to be able to hopefully finish number 40 with, you know, 20, 20,000 other runners um, would be pretty amazing. So that is, that's why I chose that day. Well, it will be amazing no matter how many runners you are running with. You are simply incredible. I'm so excited for you. Okay. People want to go um, follow you on Instagram. It was I was born the number two run. So I was born to run. Does the Houston Marathon know that you're doing this? Um, I don't I don't know. We well, gotta let I them know. know. All right. I was I there two years ago know. as part of the as part of the expo. I know their PR person. I'm gonna email her after this. They got to know you're doing amazing things. They have ambassadors. We got to let them know, blow it out. Cause you're going to do, you're going to be there 12 days from now, Nikki Cannon, if someone wants to help you out and support your philanthropic endeavors, which are awesome. And I really expect people to get out there and really support you because you're doing simply amazing. Where can they go to do that? And we'll put a link in the show notes for them as well. Um, the link is in my bio on Instagram. 
Perfect. Okay, so we can go there. Also, the link will be in the show notes. People can get it there as well. Go follow Nikki. Follow her along. She's got two weeks left, baby. Well, from when you're hearing this episode, it won't be two weeks left anymore. Won't be two right? weeks. Right? So we're recording this on Tuesday. Right? Tuesday? Yeah. After Christmas vacation, I always lose track of the days of the week. <laughs> you're recording this on Tuesday. You're probably hearing this at earliest on Friday, which means you'll just cross the day 30 mark, 10 days left until the Houston Marathon. Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show. And even more importantly, thank you for all the good you're doing, inspiring me and so many other people in their running journeys. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was it was a lot of fun and I appreciate the conversation we had. And yeah, thank you again. Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show. My goodness, I told you, I told you in the intro. This lady is amazing. She sure is and epitomizes so much of what we talk about here on this show. Uh, just an honor to have her on. That is for sure. Thank you so much for listening. We wouldn't be at episode 400 if it wasn't for so many people who listen to this show, who give me feedback, who really enjoy listening to these unbelievable people that we get to feature week in and week out. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Just a heads up, I know so many of you have written reviews over on Apple Podcasts. And for that, I am really, really uh, appreciative of that. So thank you so much. But not everyone listens to the podcast on Apple. Um, I think it's I think it's 86% of the, of the downloads come from Apple Podcasts. But if you listen on Spotify, they do have a new feature that was just announced over the last couple of weeks where you can now review shows over on Spotify. So if that's where you listen, feel free to do it, not just for this show, but for any show that you follow. It, ma- it makes a difference for any and all um, podcasts out there. So I'm putting the call out, not just to review my show. If you do, great. I Again, I really appreciate it. But hey, don't just stop there. Uh, rate and review any show that you listen to because it does matter to the people who are putting their time and effort into these suckers. I know I love it. It's the best part of my week every week. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.